As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Symbol. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you can earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Again, that's www.symbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? It's a day later, but it's here. The Week 9 Deep Dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Got lots to talk about uh, today. We've got people returning from IR. We have our coach returning to the sidelines. We have uh, no activity on the uh, trading deadline uh, in either direction, either coming in or going out uh, or anything like that. And plus, we have a big, big question uh, that I want to talk about as far as uh, where our allegiances lie this weekend uh, when we play the Steelers on Monday. So lots to talk about. Let's go ahead and jump right in. It's the Week 9 Deep Dive Preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud tonight. Last hurdle to clear before our beloved get a much-needed break with the bye next week and week number 10. But uh, before we get to that, and whatever the uh, aftermath of this first half of the season is going to be, we got to take on the Steelers on Monday Night Football. What's going on, everybody? Larity back, the Week 9 Deep Dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And like I said, we got plenty to go over in news and notes. That's probably going to be most of the show, uh, considering that keys to the game. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, it's going to be as basic and cookie cutter as possible. Why, you ask? Because we can't do the basic cookie cutter things right. So those have to be the keys to the game. It's be consistent on offense, be consistent on defense. Don't beat yourself. Spoiler alert, that's keys to the game. Obviously, I'll uh, you know expand, expand on that when we get to it, but that's it. I don't have any, let's get the tight ends involved or more play action or blah, blah, blah. It's like, how about we just play competent, decent, consistent football? You know, we'll talk more about that. And when I, when we get to uh, keys to the game, but uh, today the, the bulk of our preview is going to be talking uh, about the, the week that was uh, for the bears. Uh, we lose our third straight to the 49ers. Uh, on Sunday without Matt Nagy on the sidelines. But our quarterback, Justin Fields, plays his best game of his very short uh, career, 175 yards passing, not blowing anybody's hair back on that. 
but 19 of 27, so a fairly efficient day. He had a touchdown uh, throw to uh, Jesse James, an outstanding throw when she had a chance to go back and look at the throw itself and where he put it and, and things like that. He did have an interception, but that was kind of a, you know, we're down two scores. We need to throw it deep to try to get some chunk plays. It was off Darnell Mooney's hands uh, once again, so can't really count. There should be a statistic where those go against the wide receivers when they get both hands on it, when they could have caught it, and it bounces off their hands and into a defender's arms. That should stop counting against the quarterbacks. It's not fair. But, um, you know, but on top of that, 10 rushes, 103 yards, and a touchdown, an outstanding, you know, backyard, playground, you know, back alley type play uh, on fourth and one where everything that could go wrong with the play did in order for Justin Fields to have to, to you know, make chicken salad out of, you know what, to uh, a reverse field and score a touchdown. I, I described it in the review episodes as the – uh, it was reminiscent of Tariq Cohen's punt return against the 49ers a few years back that I called the no, 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 yes, yes, yes uh, punt return um, where he gave up like 130 yards, uh, you know, running to, to make a 50-yard return uh, for a touchdown. It, w- it goes down officially as like a 22-yard touchdown run for Justin Fields, but he ended up running a good 40, 50 yards to make that happen, um, you know, to, to make that magic happen. And it was it was a moment that, um, you know, also for the second week in a row, the defense couldn't, couldn't respond to because we score, that, we score on that play where we're down, was, was it 23 to 22 after Cairo Santos missed the extra point? So we get the ball back. We could, you know, obviously go back and take the lead uh, once again, but instead the defense, you know, five plays, 75 yards, gives up a touchdown drive, and that was it uh, from there, so disappointment abound for the second time in three weeks. They did the same thing against Green Bay a couple of weeks ago. We go, we get it within 17 to 14 and the defense gives up the touchdown drive and the, uh, you know, and the, I own you moment was born uh, on, on the heels of that touchdown run. So, yeah. So yeah, third loss in a row. We're going into uh, the bye now we have uh Monday night against the Steelers, and the Steelers started off with a big road win. Uh, you know, big basically looked upon as an upset, beating the Buffalo Bills uh, in Buffalo week one, uh, doing it in rather dominant fashion, and uh, then losing three straight after that. We had a good conversation with Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers, basically explaining, uh, explaining the ups and downs that the Steelers have been through because they rebounded from that three-game three, three game losing streak to now win three in a row, and uh, including a win on the road last Sunday against the uh, Cleveland Browns. So in the same place where we gave up nine sacks and uh, you know everyone was calling for Matt Nagy's head, not just Bear fans, but literally everyone calling for Matt Nagy's head after that performance out there uh, in Cleveland. So And now the Steelers return home. And welcome the Bears, who are doing the home away, home away thing. So we're away, which means we'll be at home when we come back in a couple of weeks to play the Ravens. And, um, you know, it, it goes to what I was saying to Chris Carter in, the, in that interview uh, when it kind of came down towards the end of the episode and it was time to kind of, you know, what do you think? And, you know, what would it take for the Bears to do this? What would it take for the Steelers uh, to win or, you know, what have you? And it's just like I... I, I, I'm interested to see how the game is going to go because I don't know what to expect from the bears. I honestly don't, you know, I, I don't know if they'll actually start listening to the, you know, the, you know, outside influences. Be, and the only reason that I think that they should is that we're basically pretty much all in agreement. Uh, you know, you guys have heard me beat this, t- beat this drum for over a year now, but it just sounds like everybody on the outside, the, the talking heads, the experts, the pundits, fans, all of us seem to have a very similar idea about what the Bears should be doing, what we think they're capable of, and then the Bears take the field every week and do the exact opposite. You know, it, it, it goes back to that, that, that statement from Olin Krutz that I've said a thousand times stuck out in my head after that Detroit Lions loss 
last year that where he said, I don't think Matt Nagy's so interested in winning as he is winning his way. So it's like maybe he's hearing us, us as a collective and what we think the Bears should do. And he's going to prove that he's smarter than the rest of us by doing the opposite and winning anyway. And, you know, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, then he deserves what's what's going on. But it's just, you know, how is it that it seems so obvious, so apparent to literally everyone, guys? I mean, do do the research, listen to the podcast, watch Sports Center, watch NFL Live, listen to Good Morning Football or Total Access, ask any expert what the Bears should be doing with Justin Fields, and they're pretty much all in agreement as to what needs to be taking place. And yet the Bears are doing the opposite with it. God bless Justin Fields. He's thriving anyway because he is a super talent. But, you know, it's like we're not doing the things that we could to put him in the best position to succeed, to put our offense in the best position to succeed. And we keep coming up short each and each and every week because we can't score points. We can't be consistent on the offensive side because we're doing something that, uh, you know, doesn't fit well with the people that we got. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens now that Nagy has returned to the sidelines. What influence, if any, that is going to have. Uh, for some reason, he was very cryptic last week about where he was holed up. And uh, turns out he was in some kind of, he was in a hotel room uh, someplace, probably being quarantined from his family so he wouldn't get any of them uh, sick and everything, which makes sense. So I was like, I don't know why that had to be a secret uh, or anything, but uh, he finally fessed up when he when he f- had his first presser this week that he was in a hotel room uh, during the during his quarantine, and um, you know it, it's we lost, but the offense looked better than it had in a long time without him out there. So without without him, you know, t- stopping Bill Lazor or suggesting other plays or overruling. Laser, which I'm sure happens from time to time uh, during the game. Chris Tabor just letting the offensive play caller call his plays. We were a bit more consistent. I mean, we scored five times uh, in the game on Sunday. Granted, it was four field goals. Well, actually, it was three field goals and two touchdowns, but we scored five times. I mean, is there any other game this year where we've scored five times? No. The answer is no. Even, even with our highest point total of the season against the Lions, that's four scoring drives, not three. And, you know, we've scored more times in this one game against the 49ers without Nagy on the sideline than we have all season long. Five scoring drives in, I think, seven or eight. And, you know, we didn't punt until late in the third quarter. So it's just a matter of finding the, that consistency to, to, to turn those field goal attempts into touchdown drives, and we'll be on to something. So, so this week... That's the big question that I was going to ask. I forgot to put it out as a poll on Twitter, but are we rooting for the Bears to win this week? I mean, honestly, I know that we can be a cynical bunch, and granted, I'm head of the class and can be uh, sometimes, but I think you guys all grasp that I'm very passionate and that I just want my team to win, and I demand better of them, whether it is I'm drinking the Kool-Aid about how good we actually are or, or what have you. I'm, I'm conflicted. And it's obviously I want the Bears to win and I don't want to see them lose to the Steelers on Monday, but the the conflict comes in, like if we do lose on Monday, good, bad, or indifferent, close loss, big loss, blowout loss, whatever. The only way that I would be satisfied with the Bears losing is if we actually did pull the trigger on firing Nagy this weekend. If uh, we had a Black Tuesday, if you will, since we're playing on Monday. If Tuesday was Black Tuesday for Nagy and he's done, you know, then it would be worth it, the Bears losing, the Bears being 3-6, and six, because 3-6 and six pretty much means that the season is, is over. Granted, we've got eight football games left after this. The season is technically long from over. But looking at the eight games left, Baltimore, Detroit, Arizona, Green Bay, then Minnesota, um, Minnesota, the Seattle, the Giants, and Minnesota again. Now, there are some winnable football games in there. 
Absolutely. But, you know, there's, there's Arizona in there. There's Baltimore in there. There's Green Bay. That's three of the first five games coming off of the bye. So let's say that we win the games we're supposed to. We lose the games that we're expected to. Two and three coming out of the gate. We're five and eight going into the last four games. Two against Minnesota. Uh, the last four games, you know, easily are, e- are easily winnable games. We can easily beat the Vikings. We can easily beat the Giants. The Seattle Seahawks are struggling this year, but they should have Russell Wilson back by the time we see them if he's not already injured again. So five and eight going into the last, you know, to finish nine and eight, would that be good enough to save Nagy? You know, so it's just, so, and that's what I'm saying is that, you know, I feel like at three and six, the season is definitely over. It's salvageable, but we pretty much got to go like six and two uh, down the way to, uh, to, you know, to even finish nine and eight, we got to go six and two if we lose this weekend. To finish above 500 in this odd-numbered game, you know, season that we have now, where 500 isn't possible anymore, but uh, we got to go six and two to go nine and eight if we lose on Monday. So the season would collectively be over. I don't know if nine and eight is going to be good enough to make it to the playoffs this year. Not that I think we would want the Bears to do that, um, just because. Well, I mean, we don't have a first-round pick, so it doesn't matter. But with the second-round pick that we have, I think we would prefer to be in the top half of the second round as opposed to the bottom half where it would be if we did make the playoffs. So, you know, it's like, where are we at with this? It's like, are we rooting for the Bears to win because we're Bear fans and we don't want to see them lose? Or are we Steeler fans on Monday hoping that we lose because that means we get rid of Nagy and we can begin the process of starting over? We can get him out from under Justin Fields so Fields and Tabor and Filippo can be out there without Nagy. Not that that's been a rousing success so far, but we can have some kind of optimism that we, you know, the, the last eight games don't have to be about wins and losses. It's about development. And maybe we see a guy like Daz Newsom get pulled up from the practice squad and seeing what he can do. Maybe we see more of, of uh, you know, Jesse James and Cole Komet and, you know, and Tevin Jenkins is healthy, then maybe he plays a game at left tackle instead of Jason Peters because we want to see what we have in Tevin Jenkins. We want to see what we have in some of these other uh, skill players and, and things like that. We want to see if, uh, if Kyrus Tonga can be our nose tackle of the future because Eddie Goldman's heart isn't in it anymore or, you know, if – if Akeem Hicks is going to be a free agent this weekend or this, this season, then, uh, you know, we'll see what we got in some of our other guys. Do we really want to pay Bilal Nichols, so on and so forth? It can be about answering those questions for 2022 as opposed to worrying about getting enough wins to save Nagy's job if the Bears go ahead and let him keep it for the remainder of the season. So, you know... I'm not going to say I'm going to be an outright Steeler fan this weekend, but I think I'm going to be more of the the kind that, uh, you know, as I've been saying pretty much all season, losses would be, uh, the silver lining to the loss would be that it's one less game with Nagy as our head coach. So uh, basically that that it's guaranteeing that Nagy's not going to be the head coach. So I think that's what we all want uh, at this point. I think we all just want to start over. And um, then we can have the real discussion about whether Pacer goes out the door with him. That, I think, would be the far more interesting one. One that I plan to have next week with uh, Lauren Cox when we do our first first half uh, review episode next week. Looking forward to, to that and uh, see where Lauren lands on that. Does Ryan Pace go out the door uh, with him? Or, uh, you know, does he, uh, does he stick around because he's – of the two, he's been better at his job than Nagy's been at his. So, moving on to that, uh, speaking of returns, David Montgomery out for the last four games uh, with the knee injury he suffered against the uh, Detroit Lions has returned to practice. And I think it's looking good for him to play this week. Um, I, and, I, and, I, and I agree with, uh, with Hogan Johns on their podcast. They were saying that, 
basically if he's healthy enough to play to hell with being precautionary and, and things like that if he's good enough to play we got to put him out there you know unlike Khalil Mack on the other hand if Khalil Mack is um you know still uh if he doesn't practice again like tomorrow on Saturday to um you know which would pretty much like I mean he's been nursing that foot injury all week long or all pretty much all season long I think I think I, I read that it's been since week 3 that he's had that foot injury he hasn't practiced for several weeks but he'll play on Sunday this past Sunday against the 49ers was the first game he's missed since like week 8 and 9 in uh 2018 his first year with the the team when I think it was like a calf or a hamstring injury or something that kept him out for a couple of games but um you know, I, I think we should be more precautionous, more precautionary with um, Khalil, even though we definitely need him out there. We missed him sorely against the 49ers uh, on Sunday. If we're playing it safe with anybody, I say play it safe with Khalil Mack because we need Khalil Mack. Not that we don't need David Montgomery, but we see we have Khalil Herbert, we have Damian Williams, we'll be okay kind of thing. And, and I guess you could also make an argument that'd be reason to also let David Montgomery sit and make sure that he's 1,000% for the Ravens when we come back uh, from the bye. But if the Bears are playing with any kind of urgency, you know, trying to save Nagy's job and, uh, and what have you, then Montgomery's got to play on Monday. And uh, I would love to see what the Bears can come up with with uh, Montgomery and Herbert. And it better be like a split duty kind of thing especially considering that that uh, Montgomery's coming off of the knee injury and we do kind of want to ease him into it I think that's how we play it safe don't come in and give Montgomery 25 carries right off the bat let's split it up equally between him uh, and Khalil Herbert it'll probably be the one game where I'm okay with the Bears um, you know not keeping uh, Montgomery on the field you know, it'd probably be the one game where you wouldn't hear me complaining uh, about that because we know that we're kind of easing Montgomery back into the fold as opposed to, uh, you know, in the past where it's like, stop taking him out of the freaking game. Stick with the hot hand. He's playing like a beast. Stop pulling him off the field. This would probably be the one week that I'd be okay with that because we got to get him out there. We need him out there, but we also don't want to rush him back and re-aggravate the injury and so on and so forth. So, but um the Bears haven't said for sure yet if Montgomery is uh, playing. They've designated him for return from uh, injured reserve, so he has been practicing. But they also have a three-week window to activate him. So I would look forward to hearing on Sunday or maybe Monday that he's officially been activated or that he'll be out for Monday and we won't see him until the Ravens game. So I would prefer to see him play on Monday and, and what we can do with, with a Herbert and Montgomery backfield out there uh, together, so so uh, in other news, um, like I said in the the beginning in the open uh, trade deadline, no activity from the Bears. I do hear that the Bears were taking calls for Allen Robinson, but the best that they were getting were day three picks, and I think the Bears were looking for a second or a third rounder uh, for Robinson, which might make sense if Robinson had fifty or sixty catches up to this point, but I think he's like the fourth leading receiver with like 24 catches or something like that. Uh, whenever uh, Eric Lambert talks about it in his uh, articles on sportsmockery.com, he says that, uh, you know, Robinson is on pace for his lowest output as a professional right now. Like he's, he's going to top out at, at this pace. He's at on pace for like 540 yards receiving for the year. And, you know, that's supposed somebody who's making nearly $18 million a season on the franchise tag, not playing like a franchise player. He's got one touchdown in eight games uh, so far. Yeah, it was a hard bargain that the Bears uh, were after. I think they were trying to, you know, get what he could be worth after he leaves and goes someplace that's going to use him as opposed to what he's worth for the output that we've gotten uh, from him uh, thus far. So didn't hear any rumors about the Bears being, uh, you know, in talks about anybody else. Certainly didn't hear about the Bears trying to make any moves to bring someone in to improve the team, which I guess is, is good because that would most likely cost us somebody we don't want to part with or draft capital, which we really don't have to begin with. So 
you know, there was very little that the Bears probably could have done. Um, they were, and at, at three and five, we were definitely sellers. We weren't buyers uh, going into this uh, thing. And the price that they put on uh, Allen Robinson was a little too rich for other people's blood. So he's still a bear for the remainder of the season. So it is uh, what it is. And then, of course, uh, today on Friday, the Cleveland Browns put uh, Odell Beckham Jr. on waivers. And what they did was they restructured his contract to the point where it would basically make it cap friendly for just about anybody to pick him up because what the what the Browns want is for somebody to claim him as opposed to him clearing waivers and then OBJ going to like the Ravens or the Steelers or something like that that could come back to hurt the Browns or, or anybody in the AFC. Uh, quite frankly, he wanted the uh, they wanted uh, OBJ to go someplace you know in the NFC or for him to be claimed off of waivers and. Um, the Bears were 10th on the waiver um, batting order, uh, if you will. So we'll see if the Bears can make a move. We have like, I think, $3 million plus in salary cap space. I don't know if that's enough uh, with what he's uh, dwindled his salary down to. But uh, I'm kind of mixed on it. Uh, I was talking to my dad about it, and, you know, he's like uh, – you know, what do you think? And it's like, well, he needs a new home and we need a spark on offense for a guy to, you know, because Robinson's basically phoning it in at this point, whether it's by his own doing or the fact that we're more of a run heavy team. So there's just not many balls to go around kind of thing. We're not getting what we need out of Allen Robinson. Not saying that having OBJ would just be the cure-all for that, but there would be somebody motivated looking to, because he would be on a one-year deal. So even if he's only in Chicago for the last eight games of the year, he's auditioning for the other 30 teams out there to see if he can get some, you know, get a decent contract in the offseason or at least drive the price up so the Bears bring him back for a pretty penny uh, kind of thing. So he'd be a motivated guy uh, to try to see what he could do about, uh, you know, getting that last big contract uh, before he rolls off into that, uh, you know, end zone in, in the sunset or whatever the hell I'm trying to say. But, um, you know, it was like, I don't know. It's like he, he can, he's worn out his welcome with both of his teams so far with the Giants and with the, the Browns. He's had very unceremonious endings with both of those teams. Uh, hasn't really earned the money that he's been paid by either of them. And, um, you know, so it just doesn't sit well. But like I said, it would be like a, basically a one-season rental if we picked them up off of uh, waivers. I wouldn't hate it, but I'm not pounding the table thinking that the Bears are fools if we don't. So there's that. And then as far as transactions this week that we did have, uh, the Bears uh, released Sam Kamara, an outside linebacker, um, that um, some people were thinking that that was going to be the, the key that uh, Khalil Mack uh, was coming back. Well, we did sign, um, we did sign Kamara back to the practice squad uh, after we uh, released him. I think that the roster spot may have been to make room for David Montgomery. Uh, you know, with him coming off of uh, off of IR. Uh, another interesting move that we did make: we uh, signed a guy named Cassius Marsh, uh, also a outside linebacker, and. When we signed him, I was like, Cassius Marsh, why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? And then when I saw him, when I saw him, ding, the light goes on. Because I first was introduced to Cassius Marsh over the summer, in July as a matter of fact, because I am a big fan of your mom's house. And under your mom's house, it's a, you know, a couple of comedians, Tom Segura and his wife, Christina P. They have a podcast called Your Mom's House, and then they also each have their own separate podcast. Tom Segura does one with fellow comedian Burt Kreischer called Two Bears, One Cave. Burt Kreischer was on, uh, was on leave doing a movie over the summer. So Tom Segura did the Two Bears, One Cave with what he called guest bears sitting in for Burt Kreischer. And on the July 12th episode of Two Bears, One Cave, Cassius Marsh was the guest bear. Why? 
because Tom Segura moved to Texas earlier this year and Cassius Marsh bought his house in California. So for one reason or another, that meant Tom wanted to ask him to come on the show. He came on the show and uh, he was, uh, it was an interesting episode um, because he's kind of bounced around the league a bit. Um, he actually kind of made headlines, uh, if you guys remember, over the summer because he didn't have kind things to say about his time uh, in New England. Uh, about how we, we basically had to eat in between meetings and, you know, the basically the iron fist that uh, that is Bill Belichick and blah, blah, blah. It's like it's all worth it because you win. It's just not fun. It's just not fun is basically how he how he put it. And um, the, uh, the few takeaways that I had from the show were, number one, he bought Tom Segura's California house uh, before he moved out to Texas Two. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, he, he talked about being a big fan of the, the, the card game Magic the Gathering. And Tom kept throwing uh, jokes at him about magic and all that kind of stuff. About like actual magic. You know, kind of being just messing with him. And you, it was going right over his head. He was not catching on that Tom was, was messing with him. And then the third thing was because of the Magic the Gathering thing... His side gig is in trading cards, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, sports cards, things like that. And, and I think I heard him say during the show that he makes more money off of the playing cards than he does as a professional football player. You know, with a guy that's bouncing around on practice squads and things like that, those guys make more than the average American, obviously, but... They make pennies based on, you know, their own welfare compared to guys like Khalil Mack and Tom Brady and, and those guys that are pulling in $20, $30 million uh, a season uh, and such. So not that surprising to hear that, but that's still a substantial amount of money because even practice squad guys, if they make like nine ten grand uh, a week or something, if not more, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, to the regular person, if I made nine grand a week, good God. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because I saw his name pop. I was like, why do I know that name? Where do I know that name? And like, oh, yeah, he was a guest bear during the summer. So, yeah, for those of you who didn't know, I am a mommy, and I have been for the last few years. So we have something else to bond over in case you didn't know that about me before. So, anyway, let's go ahead and wrap up news and notes with our Injury report, and it's, uh, you know, mostly unchanged as far as who is uh, who's practicing and who isn't uh, and everything. I don't know what's going on with Nick Foles, but he's been out uh, for personal reasons this week. Not that we need him uh, on Monday, but that's going on with him. Uh, J.P. Holtz has been out all week with a concussion. Eddie Jackson still nursing the hamstring, has not practiced yet this week. Uh, Khalil Mack with a foot injury, obviously, has not practiced yet. Alec Ogletree with an ankle. And um, uh, Williams, Damian Williams, our uh, running back with the knee injury where he left the San Francisco game uh, early, um, has not practiced yet this week. And then in really good news, Darnell Mooney wasn't on the injury list on Thursday, was limited on Friday with a groin injury. So thumbs up. For that, the hits just keep on coming. But I'm happy to see that, uh, you know, some names that aren't on this list, like uh, uh, Akeem Hicks, not on the injury list uh, this week. So I know that doesn't mean that he's 100%. It just means that he's practicing without restrictions and things like that. Nothing for A.D. Goldman and uh, no, uh, well, he's on injury reserve. I was going to say no Deion Bush, but neither is Tashawn Gibson. He's not on here either. So that's good news that... Uh, the guys that we consider to be the best of our roster are uh, practicing. So anyway, that is going to do it for news and notes. We'll go ahead and give ear to our sponsors, take a quick break, and we'll be back with the spoiled uh, with the already spoiled keys to the game. Dive in a little bit more on that before we wrap this thing up. <coughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. 
Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. <laughs> now, I know what you're all saying. Larry, what's a mommy? Why would you say that you're a mommy? Well, it's... uh. <laughs> It's what uh, we YMH fans uh, call ourselves, or at least that's what they call us. When I say they, I mean Tom and Christina call their fans mommies or uh, jeans. You have to watch the show, okay? You have to watch the podcast, YMH. It's on YouTube. You can download it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, so on and so forth. It's, uh, it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. And uh, they have Two Bears, One Cave. Christina does her own show. They even got Dr. Drew, of all people, doing a podcast on their, uh, under their banner uh, as well. So, uh, But, yeah, I think my favorite of all the shows is the Two Bears with One Cave because Tom is just sitting there listening to Bert uh, rattle off nonsense. And trust me, he rattles off a lot of nonsense. And, uh, you know, it's Tom basically responding to the nonsense that Bert says. And it's fun. It's a good way to start the week. Like I said, that one comes out every Monday. And it's uh, entertaining as hell, uh, a good way to start the week and kind of ease yourself back into it with a, with a good laugh. So YMH, uh, your mom's house comes out every Wednesday. So that's good stuff, good stuff as well. So anyway, just thought I would throw that in there just so I don't have to answer those questions on social media. Keys to the game. Uh, like I said, we've already spoiled these, the three keys to the game. Be consistent on offense, be consistent on defense, and stop beating ourselves. So why the cookie cutter, um, you know, cliched keys to the game? Well, because when's the last time the bears did that? Any, any of those things, when was the last time? I think that maybe week five against the, the Raiders would probably be the, the best example of consistency. But I mean, even then we, we, we you know, we had some struggles, but it's not, you know, every game is not going to be perfect but we were better than we we were we were better than we weren't, uh, you know, in in the Raiders game, especially on defense. It was the last really solid performance our defense gave, holding Derek Carr and that explosive Raider def- offense to nine points, getting after Derek Carr and creating creating problems uh, for them, and, and you know, not letting them get beat us with the deep plays and things like that. Um, it was the last, you know, like top to bottom. I mean, we even had great special teams play with Santos kicking those those late field goals. Pat O'Donnell punted the ball very well in that game. It was our best team win of the season, and ironically, and, and not so ironically, it was the last win of the year thus far. We were 3-2 and two after beating the Raiders on the road. It was basically considered an upset. We were supposed to lose that game to the Raiders, and instead we win – and a lot of people kind of want to brush it off because that was literally on the heels of the, the start of that email scandal uh, for Gruden. Like the, the, the news of that came out on Friday before the Bears game on Sunday. So take that for what you will. All I know is that we had to play the game and we were a lot better that day than the Raiders were. We came away with the, with the victory. So, but we haven't done that since. 
We haven't done. We didn't do it against Green Bay. We sure as hell didn't do it against Tampa Bay. And then last week, we were consistent on offense in the way that uh, we were moving the chains, dominating time of possession, which were keys to the game that I've shared for other football games. But it was just we weren't putting those. The you know we couldn't stop beating ourselves with penalties and bad play calling to turn some of those field goal drives into touchdown drives, which would have made all the difference in the world in the outcome of that game. You know, basically the Bears and the Raiders and the Bears and the 49ers were playing the same game in the first half. It was all field goals and we managed to score a touchdown in there. That's why we were up 13 to 9 uh instead of it being 9 to 9 going in at the half. Three scoring drives for for each team in the first half because the 49ers didn't punt at all. We didn't punt until late in the third quarter. San Francisco didn't punt at all. So it was like defensively neither team was really very good uh, especially in the first half uh, of the football game. And, you know, we come back out in the second half. It's more uh, moving the chains and kicking field goals. And then, like I said, all of that was erased with one touchdown drive for the 49ers. It goes from 16 to 9 to 16 to 15. And, you know, and just like that, where they're nipping at our heels, they take the lead, and there was no looking back after that. So... You know, and then the consistency from the, the defense or just the ability to respond. We score that touchdown, make it 23-22. to 22. The whole place is going bananas over that play that Fields makes. I mean, he basically just made it up uh, with because that play was not did not go the way that it was supposed to. Absolutely did not go the way that it was supposed to. And, uh, you know, Fields turned it into magic, got us back in, you know, within striking distance, Never mind that we missed the extra point. We were th- basically it was a tie game uh, at that point, and all we needed from the defense was them to you know get a three and out, just get us the ball back. And what do they do? Five plays, seventy five yards later, the 49ers are up eight points, and they never look back after that. So there's your consistency on defense. I mean, well, actually, if you know you want to be a dick about it, they've been consistently bad the last few weeks. So you know, but it's at least at this this. The difference between giving up 38 to Tampa Bay and 33 to the 49ers is that most of those 30, 38 points were on the heels of some kind of turnover from the offense. So that's what makes 33 from San Francisco a lot worse than the 38 that Tampa Bay scored against us. Number one, 38 came from Tom Brady and, you know, Chris Goodwin and, you know, all of those guys, guys that are supposed to be racking up the points. And this past weekend, we let Jimmy G do that to us. Jimmy G, the guy that's on his way out in San Francisco, he's playing out the string right now. He's keeping the seat warm for Trey Lance. He has no future in San Francisco, none. He has no future in San Francisco, and yet he had one of his best games as a 49er on our backs on Sunday and help the 49ers get a win, break a four-game losing streak, win on the road in Chicago, embarrass us on our own field. And, the, you know, the, we didn't turn the ball over until Fields' interception at the end of the game when it was pretty much all decided. So those 33 points happened on the backs of the defense. The defense gave up 33 points. Not like the week before the 38 from Tampa Bay, which a lot of that you put on the offense for – multiple turnovers, interceptions, fumbles and and things like that. This is a this is different. These are this is the 49ers driving the field each time to score one way or another, not like last week with uh with the Buccaneers where a lot of those uh touchdown drives were on short fields. They played on our side of the 50 for like 80% of the game. So the defense didn't and the defense didn't play well, but we also weren't given much of a shot because the defense kept or the offense kept putting them in a hole with the turnovers Sunday's performance against the 49ers was much worse. It was much worse. You know, they weren't near as good as, as Tampa on offense. They certainly didn't have as good a quarterback and they got more yards on us than Tampa Bay did. And, you know, we made Tampa Bay punt. We didn't make these guys punt, not once. So yeah, we need consistency on defense, no matter who's out there. If it's, if Khalil is out there, if, uh, you know, Roquan is out there, if Quinn is out there, whoever, whoever it is, Eddie Jackson, no Eddie Jackson, he's Tabor, uh, you know, Gibson, uh, Houston Carson, whoever. Somebody's got to make a play. We got to get a turnover. 
get after the quarterback. Sean Desai needs to do a better job where it was, you know, he, he was doing a good job getting, you know, doing matchups and, uh, you know, lining up Quinn and Mac on the same side and, and doing some kind of twist where one of these guys is going to get home kind of thing. He's not being creative like that uh, anymore. And we're not getting after the quarterback. We haven't had a sack since, uh, since Green Bay. And like early against Green Bay, like we got two sacks on the opening drive. I think we got a third just before the end of the third quarter. So we haven't had a sack in nine quarters for our defense because we didn't get one against Tampa Bay. I don't think we did. Pretty sure we didn't. And I know for a fact we didn't against San Francisco. So we're at least nine quarter drought for, um, for a sack for this defense. And we're also... Pfft, DeAndre Houston Carson's turnover against the um, Raiders was, I think, in the third quarter. So what was that? Four, four games, three games, so 13, 14 quarters since our last turnover. So, yeah, we, we need to make some plays uh, on defense. And on offense, that's really more where the stop beating yourself thing comes in. You know, that third and 14 uh, screen to Herbert, that we converted. We got 16 yards on it. We would have been deep in San Francisco territory. Instead, we had two penalties called on that play, ended up having to settle for a field goal on that drive. Those are the things that can't happen uh, on, su- on Monday against the Steelers. The, the, I think it was the second quarter, third and six, instead of letting Fields throw the football downfield, he throws, he, you know, they dial up that Matt Nagy special, throw the swing pass out to Herbert that literally everybody saw coming. We lost yardage on the play, have to settle for a field goal. Beating ourselves, beating ourselves, you know, playing it soft, you know, playing not to lose, things like that. You know, I, I just, there is, I mean, if anybody learned anything from Marty Schottenheimer over the years, when he would play Marty ball, when he would try to play it safe to get out of there, he lost pretty much every time. You know, Marty Schottenheimer, one of the best coaches the league has ever seen, doesn't have a championship. Hell, they didn't even have a Super Bowl appearance, as far as I'm, as far as I recollect, because he always choked in the postseason. He always found a way to lose that game by trying to be conservative, by trying not to lose, playing not to lose. And because of that, Marty Schottenheimer doesn't have a ring to speak of. Guys play to win, those guys have rings. You know, I mean, even just think back to 2017, Doug Peterson and the Eagles. You know, the whole Philly special play. That was fourth down. They could have easily just taken the points and kicked the field goal. Instead, they go Philly-Philly. It's one of the most legendary plays in Super Bowl history, and it was the mindset for the Eagles. All gas, no breaks against the Patriots. That's how you beat those guys, and they have a ring to show for it. So not saying that we're on pace to do that. I'm just saying that's got to be the mentality. If we, you know, if we want to have a successful season, as far as wins and losses are, so you got to play to win. You got to be aggressive. You have to do it. And we're not doing that. So I guess I'm throwing out extra keys aside from consistency and not beating ourselves and whatnot. But, you know, just be aggressive. It's like we're three and five, man. What do we have to lose? We're on the road. We're playing the Steelers. And history is on our side as far as this rivalry is concerned. It's heavily in our favor. I, I, I forgot to look it up before I started recording here, but I know that the Bears. I think at last check, we're like 13-1, and 14-1, and one, something like that. In the history of the rivalry, we've only lost one time to the Steelers. So, yeah, it's a hell of a thing. So just like something weird in the water, whenever the Bears and the Steelers get together, the Bears always find a way to win. We need a win, which is probably why we won't get one uh, on Monday. And the other thing that sucks is that there's no Manning cast, so... You know, I won't be able to hear what uh, Peyton Manning thinks of Matt Nagy's play calling or Bill Lazor's play calling or uh, so-and-so missing a tackle or, you know, somebody jumping off sides or what a stupid holding call kind of thing. I would love to see it. Maybe we'll get it later on the year because we play Minnesota on Monday night uh, in Chicago later on this season. So knock on wood, that will be one of the games that the Mannings do. But uh, I really wanted to see them call this one, but. I guess we'll have to see if we can get them back in December for the uh, Vikings game. But anyway, guys, I think we can win this one. It is a winnable game. We can beat the Steelers. There are ways to exploit them and beat them. You know, pretty much the tail of the tape is if we stop Najee Harris, 
we're in a great position to come away with the victory uh, on Sunday. So it's just that of our two units, the defense has been the far less consistent one uh, up to this point. So that's asking a lot going into the game on Monday. So gun to my head, I'm taking the Steelers. But obviously I do want the Bears to win despite the conversation we had earlier like I said, it would be more of a silver lining if we lose, if it means that Nagy loses his job. So maybe he doesn't lose it on Tuesday. Maybe we wait until uh, we lose to the Lions on Thanksgiving <laughs> and we use that mini buy to send Matt Nagy packing, kind of like the, uh, the Lions did to uh, Matt Patricia last year. They fired him after the Thanksgiving game. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But it should be an interesting game uh, on Monday. I'm definitely interested to see how it's going to to shake out does big ben have any magic left uh to use uh against the bears or we will we continue to own the steelers like we have inexplicably uh throughout the course of this uh matchup so come on back on tuesday for bear up and bear down and uh then we'll wrap it up on wednesday with the review episode and then either thursday or friday of next week we're gonna see if we can get lauren cox on the show to uh, do our annual mid-season review and, and talk to him you know, what's, you, uh, what, what's, what's the thoughts going into the second half uh, of the season? If it comes down to firings and keeping somebody, and do we keep pace? And, you know, if we let Nagy go, does pace have to go with him? You know, has he done enough to keep his job? Are the McCaskies that in love with him or, or what have you? We'll talk about all of that. So come back on Tuesday for Bear Up and Bear Down. See how the first, first half of the season closes up for our beloved. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.